Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Tower and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, I will have part three of the best of 2023, as this is the best of 2023 roundtable, as yours truly will be joined with Philip Perrone in Barrett Hyatt of Doc Discussions Podcast, as we'll be chatting about the top 10 films of 2023. Then in What's Anthony T Watching, I review my first 2024 film, and it's a film I'm regretting that I saw. Great way to start the year. I'm just leaving it at that. But first, every year, I like to do this before I get into the round table. I like to go over what I had on my top 10 list the previous year. I've done this every year, pretty much, of this podcast. Right before I'm with a guest or guests, I will run down my top 10 films from the previous year. So we're going back to 2022 and my top 10 from 2022. At 10, I chose Werewolf at Night. 9, Fall. 8, We're All Going to the World's Fair. 7, Hellraiser. 6, Dario Argento's Dark Glasses. 5, The Black Phone. 4, Prey. 3, Terrifier 2. 2, X. And the number one film of 2022, in my opinion, was Pearl. When we come back, I will be joined by Philip and Barrett as we will talk about our top 10 films in 2023 and a couple questions regarding 2023 and what films they're looking forward to in 2024. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. If you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. Speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, <laughs> www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scaresack Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scaresack Care, you can go to www.scaresackcare.org. Every donation helps Scaresack Care fight real monsters. Welcome back! I'm here with Philip Perrone and Barrett Heister from Doc Discussions Podcast, as we're here to talk about the best of 2023, 
as we'll go into our top 10 films. Plus, I have a couple questions, too. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. How are you? Good. Yep. Doing, doing good. Hope you're doing well as well. Now, this is a thing I started, I think, last year, where I wanted to get a couple of opinions before we get into our lists. First off, worst film of 2023. Because I'm always interested to see and hear other people's opinions on what the worst film was. I'll start with Barrett. Uh, my least favorite film was Skinamarink. I, uh, it was very boring to me, and it had almost no dialogue. It felt like watching paint dry on the walls. Philip? Yeah, for me, um, yeah, there was a lot of bad films this year. Uh, Shutter always gave us some terrible ones, like Bad Things, which is yeah. absolutely horrible. And uh, its title is aptly correct. It's a bad thing. Um, but uh, I'm with Barrett. Uh, Skinner Marink was by far the worst film of, of, the, of uh, the year I watched. Uh, and that was pretty tough because Bad Things was, was just horrendous. Um, They're close. Barrett They're definitely up. close. <laughs> yeah, definitely close. But Barrett, Barrett summed it up. And it's kind of humorous. Barrett actually said there was barely any dialogue. But he forgot to say, even when there was dialogue, they had to subtitle the film, and it's in English. So it's, it's just shows you how terrible made this film is, and amateurish it is. And for folks that uh, like it, you know, good for them. I mean, I, I, they must see something that I didn't. But, um, you, you know, it, it was to, to have to have subtitles for for it was just bad. That just showed that the filmmaker was most certainly... Uh, inexperienced to, you know, because he didn't uh, loop in new dialogue when, when he should have, especially if it was in English. And then the fact that a lot of the film, uh, they're just pointing the camera at light fixtures or plugs and things of that nature. So it, it was just terrible. My worst film was Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. This started a trend of Bad independent filmmaking. It's now we seeing indie filmmakers go into the public domain and start to use the public domain to their advantage and use it to make a quick buck. And Winnie the Pooh, Blood in It, Honey, felt amateurish. You know what I thought? I thought it felt like it was... It took itself too seriously. If it had been more of a comedic slasher, I think it could have been something there. But because it took itself too seriously, that's what really was its downfall. I don't think if it was a comedic slasher, it would have changed anything. It's just (laughs) I couldn't stand the characters in the film. I thought everyone was annoying. It's like... This is lazy filmmaking. And the fact that that ended up on the big screen, and they try to make this as the next Terrifier. This ain't the next Terrifier, people. That's an original film and an original character, unlike this film. And, yes, they're doing another film this year, which is not good, seriously. Yep, part two is coming out later this year. Enough with that. I'll save this rant for another episode. Because I got a lot more to say about using public domain characters in horror films. Because that's going to be a troubling thing going forward in independent filmmaking. Now, what are your honorable mentions? I'll start with Philip since Barrett went the last time. Honorable mentions uh, for worst? No, for best. That missed out on the list. Now, my uh, list, um, I put a couple of thrillers in there. So uh, my quote-unquote straight horror, some of them popped off and fell out of the best of. Uh, But I'll I'll name a handful of uh, honorable mentions, and uh, there's four of them here. I have um, uh, early release written by the guy that wrote Scream and uh, directed by the guy that does the television series Black Summer, uh, the film Sick. Uh, that came out earlier in the year. It was a really good film. Uh, just made missed uh, the top ten for tonight. Cocaine Beer. Uh, I don't have to say much 
about that. I'm sure everybody knows that. That was a, a big release at the, at the theaters. And then uh, Eli Ross Thanksgiving, another one that pretty much everybody already knows. Uh, it was another great film that uh, just missed my list. And then the Canadian thriller slash horror film uh, called Influencer, uh, which actually was uh, on Shutter and was actually one of the, the better films on Shutter this year that I saw. Uh, so th- those would be four of my um, honorable mentions. Barrett, I went with my three honorable mentions, which are the 11th, 12th, and 13th position. Um, so for the 13th position, it was Brooklyn 45. Um, for the 12th position, it was Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Way too long a title. Um, and Dark Harvest. For me, Dark Harvest made it. Sorry, Dark Harvest made it because I love the monster in it. I think it's awesome. For, no problem. For me, it was like from 11 to 14, Return to the Theater of Terror, which is a very great horror anthology film. The Robert England documentary, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story, Husera the Bone Woman, and Renfield, where Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Good one. I love Nicolas Cage when he's Nicolas Cage. Yeah. All right, Barrett, what's your number 10 film of the year? Now, um, before we begin, uh, if I could check, when you say 10 film of the year, are you just talking straight horror or, or it could be any film out there? I just wanted to, because horror, I like Horror, sci-fi, thrillers. Yeah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So something like Oppenheimer. Or no, Oppenheimer would not, would not be there. Right. No, until Swift's era. Gotcha. Right. No, not <laughs> Taylor Swift. He's trying to find his way in for that film that anyway. That is can. not Taylor Swift. That is true, Barrett. That is true. <laughs> That's that not was a my horror film, film of the year. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, my my number ten is uh, Talk to Me, which I thought was a little overhyped, um, but it was a good film, and so it just made my top ten. My top number ten is a film called uh, Follow Her. Uh, it was an independent film, but uh, it got a pretty good position on the iTunes store uh, in their top 50 uh, horror films at the time that it uh, was released. And so that that was a really good film, and uh, I highly recommend for folks who are looking for a sleeper. And I think Barrett liked it as well. Yeah, it'll be on my list. My number 10 is Scream Sex. This is, I think, one of the better entries in the Scream franchise. It has the best opening kill sequence since the original film. I liked how the way this film opens up with the Samara weaving character getting killed, only to find out it was one of her students, then one of his students gets killed by the real killer. I thought that was kind of inventive. Instead of having your basic opening kill, I like how it did the fake out in the beginning. Another thing I liked was it was very intense. I liked how they moved it to New York. I really thought the New York setting in that film really helped this film a lot because it allowed more tension to be built. And both Marissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega were very good in this film. I would even have to say better than the last film. That's why Scream 6 is my number 10. I totally agree with it being better than the last film. Um, it, I liked it a lot, too. It's actually higher on my list. But everything you said, I totally agree with. All right. Who wants to go next? Uh, it was a uh, flip-flop, so I'll go next for number nine, right? Yes. All right. So uh, number nine, uh, a big mainstream film, probably the, the first uh, great horror film or, or speculative fiction film of the year, uh, Megan, the the one about the AI doll or, or robot, if you prefer, uh, that uh, goes goes bad. My number nine is Cocaine Bear. It just had some really, really good uh, bear kills that I loved, especially the ambulance scene. Yeah, that's one of the surprise films of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. Thinking of a title named Cocaine Bear, you would think it'd be totally ridiculous, like a Shocknado or something, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was good, yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly. My number nine film 
was also one of the last films I saw this year. And every year during Christmas Eve, I will usually do a triple header of Christmas films. This year's theme was 2023 films. As there were a lot of Christmas-themed horror films coming out in 2023. But one of them managed to make my list... The Slaughter Game. This is Jen Wexler's follow-up to The Ranger. I really like how this film starts off as an exploitation serial killer film with a group of killers going around killing people on their way to the school. Then the film somehow goes 180 and turns into an all-out supernatural horror film. I thought the direction was very good in the film. The action was very good. It had a very gothic tone to it, especially the second half of that film. And it was a very entertaining Christmas film, which I can't wait to review again next Christmas. All right. Uh, my number eight is Scream 6. And everything you said previously applies. All right. Um, I did not have Scream 6 on my list. All right. My number eight is a Suitable Flesh. Suitable Flesh. Uh, this is a, a film uh, that was written by the same uh, guy that uh, wrote Reanimator, and it was directed by uh, the same guy that did Wrong Turn 2, and it stars Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton, and it is uh, based off of H.P. Lovecraft story, and it has enough good uh, midnight movie moments and a great lead performance that uh, it made my list. My number eight is an indie film called Give Me Pity. Now, this is a film that you might not have heard of because it was released on a small label called Utopia. It was directed by Amanda Kramer, who's known for Lady World. This is one of those films that is just so surreal throughout the whole film. It's about this star who has her own Saturday night special and it has this 70s vibe to it. And somehow a demon is stalking her during the broadcast. It provided some very surrealistic moments. I like how Kramer makes you question what you're seeing on screen. And you have to draw your own conclusion. The film also has a really great performance from Sophia von Hassenberg. As this is one of those films where there was endless monologues, but she nailed the monologues down pat every single time, which really made this film very entertaining and made it very intense towards the end of the film. As this is one of those films where it felt like David Lynch could have directed this film. Seriously. That's why Give Me Pity is my number eight. All right, so uh, I'll go uh, next for number seven. My number seven is uh, the science fiction thriller Artifice Girl. Uh, this is a film uh, that has uh, Lance Hedrickson in it uh, and a commanding performance that uh, we haven't seen from him in a long time. Um, again, this is an, the year of AI, or, or 2023 is the year of AI and robots, and uh, what we have here is another one. Uh, similar to Megan, except the AI actually uh, may not be evil. So uh, it was a really good film, and it questions a lot of things about reality and life and things of that nature. My number seven is Follow Her, a really good uh, movie about influencers. Um, it was really, really well done. Uh, we got to talk to the director and uh, the main actress. Um, it was Great film, great film. My number seven is the first of three Sundance Film Festival films that played as part of the Midnight Program in 2023. Onyx, The Fortunatus, and The Tallsman of Souls. Now, going into this film, I was not expecting to like this film. But this film was such a riot from start to finish. And one of the reasons why I watched this film in the first place was because it had Jeffrey Coombs in it. And if you have Jeffrey Coombs in it, I'm probably going to watch the film. He was very good in it. 
But the star of the film is Andrew Brosman, who plays his character Onyx, the fortuitous. He's more like a social media character now being translated to the big screen. In the year when we had comedies like Renfield and Cocaine Baylor, this was the funniest out of them all. I love the way this film balances the horror and comedy aspects. The jokes are funny. I also love the parody of Meat Loops, I'll Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That music video that's in this film. It was just funny. It was horrifying. It's definitely worth checking out. Onyx the Fortuitous and the Tolsman of Souls is my seventh film. Uh, my number six is Thanksgiving. Just pure slasher fun. Uh, I love Eli Roth. I've always loved him. Uh, most of his efforts have been enjoyable for me, and this is no less enjoyable. Uh, it's got a great intro, uh, some really good kills in it. It's not a real surprising movie, but you get what you're looking for if you're looking for a slasher. All right. Number six is the film Candyland. It's an indie film. Uh, stars one of the actresses from It Follows, uh, as well as one of the Baldwin brothers. It's basically about a truck lot where, where uh, people stop in, and suddenly some of the local uh, women that that happened to uh, unfortunately work there as, uh, I guess, an adult uh, basically prostitutes. Uh, unfortunately, some pass away, and, and then they get, are figuring out, trying to figure out who who's behind it. And so it's a, uh, a pretty good slasher film. Sticking with slasher films, my number six film, you would think a tenth entry in the series would mean bad movie territory, but not with this film. I'm talking about Saw 10. And I had a lot of reservations going into this film, considering that I kind of wanted to see a sequel to Spiral after the way that ended. But we got John Kramer back. And from the opening shot, when John Kramer was getting out of that X-ray machine, I had this feeling that this was going to be different from all the other Saw films. And it was. It was literally the first time where John Kramer slash Jigsaw is the main character in the film. And it has a very good lead performance by Tobin Bell here. As you get to see what makes Jigsaw tick in his mind. As he's conned by a doctor in Mexico. It provides some intense moments. It has a very good direction. And literally... For a 10th entry, this had no business being that great of a film. As I really think Saw 10 might be the best sequel in the Saw series. Alright, uh, for number 5, um, I actually have a tie. So my tie is as follow. Um, oddly, uh, one of them is a huge film for this year. And then one is a kind of um, hidden gem. And uh, the, the huge film is Godzilla Minus One. Uh, and uh, that, that I'm sure other folks will, will be talking about shortly and how good it was. Uh, possibly the, the best uh, Godzilla film in the past ten years. Uh, but the, the, the smaller film that's tied with it for me was another kind of slasher film called You're Killing Me, which is basically about this uh, young woman or, or girl because she's in high school uh, who is trying to get into a private um, like prep school and uh, a neighbor of hers in a wealthier part of town has a father that's a congressman that could possibly get her there and then unfortunately a lot of bad things happen because of uh, something she finds out and uh, so it's a pretty good splasher film You're Killing Me and I believe it was the last film starring um, Anne Hayes uh, yes exactly Anne Hayes yep that's right uh, Barrett what do you got my number five is a tie as well it is Suitable Flesh and Artifice Girl okay nice yep. we, we talked about both of those already yep What's your thoughts on those, Barry? Um, I thought, well, I like, I love H.P. Lovecraft, so, of course, this is going to be a film I watched. I thought Heather Graham did an amazing job. Um, she really made the movie even better. Um, I think without her, it might not have been as good. 
And then Artifice Girl, like what you said before, is so true, and it's such a good film. It, there are several that are ahead of it for me, but it is if those weren't existing this year or for 2023, it Artifice Girl probably would have been number one. My number five film is The Outwaters. Now, this is a film that fits the category of do-it-yourself films. As filmmaker Robbie Ben Fitch stars, writes, directs, shot the film, edited the film, and did the sound editing. As this is one of those found footage films that I put on Screenbox. I really think Screenbox dropped the ball on this film, quite frankly, because they never released the Blu-ray in some indie label that I can't remember off the top of my head released it, but I really liked this film a lot. And this did not fall into the same traps of many found footage films. In fact, this was kind of inventive as it went into its third act. As its third act felt like an episode of Twin Peaks with all these different dimensions and all this craziness going on. I like the fact that everything was, like, so demented in that third act. But Ben Fitch also does a really good job making sure the images look great. Plus, he does a good job with his screenplay setting up his characters up until the third act, where all hell broke loose. This is a film I like. This is the type of independent filmmaking I like to support. I rather see outside-the-box thinking in independent films, and The Outwaters is one of those films that supports this outside-the-box, do-it-yourself type of indie filmmaking, and it was successful. Now, do you have a number four? I do have a number four. Um, my number four is Evil Dead Rise, and it just... It was unexpected. I was expecting, um, you know, with Evil Dead, it's hard to say what you're going to get. Um, the remake kind of disappointed me. Um, I didn't hate it like Bill does, but it just was not what I wanted. And this film gave me everything I wanted. It had great acting. It had great kills. And it continued the story of Evil Dead really well. I might talk about that later on. Just to give a little teaser. Mm-hmm. To me, um, my fourth film of the year is The Evil Dead Rise as well. That film, uh, I, I absolutely just, just could not stand um, the remake, um, <laughs> the, the Evil Dead, and it was just, so I was expecting more garbage, and I was actually presently surprised, and this film was my favorite film of the year until very late, uh, well, not favorite film of the year, but favorite uh, genre film, speculative fiction film, horror film of the year, until very late in the year, uh, as my next three have passed it. But all in all, uh, this this is one of the best films of the year, and, and could have been my number one um, on a another year. Yeah, that and Cocaine Bear, I think were I think the two most surprising films of the year to me, because originally Evil Dead Rise was supposed to be on HBO Max until they test screened the film and realized that that they had to put this film out in theaters because this could have ended up like Prey from last year where it got dumped to Hulu. But thankfully it didn't get dumped to HBO Max. Instead it ended up in theaters. But I will talk more about Evil Dead Rise later. Sure, I I will disagree. I I, I like when films are quote-unquote dumped to streaming services because uh, I have no issues watching them on streaming services or theaters. However, um, I I felt this was a way better film than Prey was, for sure. I like Prey a lot, but I still think this was a better film. My number four film is the second of three films that played at Sundance in 2023. It's Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. Hmm. He is quickly becoming like his father, David Cronenberg, in the way he approaches his films. He directs in, I think, that same style that is surreal and psychologically horrifying, like his father. Case in point, Infinity Pool. He does a great job directing the action. He makes the scenes have an uneasy feel to them. From the home invasion scene, I think, middle of the film, to the film's final 20 minutes, whether it was the screenplay or his direction, 
Cronenberg makes you sit in there strapped on to this demented thrill ride from start to finish. It also had excellent performances from Alexander Sarsgaard, Mia Goth, and Caprice Coleman. And that's why Infinity Pools is my number four film. Number three for me. Uh, this film came out of nowhere for me. I absolutely love this film. Um, it, I thought was going to be my best film of the year, uh, to be honest, but it dropped to number three. Uh, and this film is a film that uh, came out uh, on Hulu uh, around uh, the Halloween time and with a, a handful of other films and part of some sort of Halloween thing that Hulu was doing. And it is a Spanish film from Spain, so Spanish language and uh, Spaniard, not just Spanish as in, in South America, but Spain. And it is called Venus. It's a, a film that has uh, gangsters in it, Lovecraftian elements, witches, the occult. Uh, takes place similar to uh, Evil Dead Rise in a uh, almost abandoned, uh, I guess, uh, apartment building. And uh, a bunch of uh, things collide at the same time at that building and uh, leave a great, exciting film for all of us to watch, uh, starring a, a very impressive lead actress as well. My number three is Nefarious. Um, this was a really big surprise film for me. It was way better than I even expected. It, I didn't you know, watching trailers or anything, so I had no idea what I was getting into. But it is just a fabulous film. And it's basically just two people sitting across from each other, basically through the whole movie. But it's just so well done that it keeps you guessing and wondering what's going to happen. Well, my number three was on Hulu. It, it's a Hulu film. But not you, your selection, Phil. It's a film called No One Will Save You. This is a film that really surprised me a lot. I went into this kind of blind, figured, you know what? Okay, sounds interesting. Then started to watch this film, finding out there's no dialogue. <laughs> and then it just hooks you right into the story. And it's a credit to the Brian Dufferfield's direction. He keeps everything moving. Whether it's the intro of the character to the way he focuses his on his main character throughout the film. Everything is done in a way that keeps you interested. The action is intense. The film has a great performance from Caitlin Dever, whom I think would have not gotten the Last of Us role if it wasn't for this film. Because her performance in this film is what really carries this film and what ultimately really makes it a great film. Because this is a film where there's maybe like five or six words spoken in the entire film. I kind of also like the fact that this was an original alien invasion story. The fact that I'm not a fan of these alien invasion films, but the fact that you have a character with no dialogue pretty much for the entire film, and you have this nice, really twisty ending is what really makes No One Will Save You a very good film. And that's why it's my number three. I would say that 2023 was the year of no dialogue films. Because <laughs> you've got a lot of no dialogue films. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and, and for uh, Barrett, if you're, you were confused, because I was a bit confused when Anthony mentioned uh, The Last of Us and this actress is in that show. Uh, she's, she's season two. Season yeah, two. season two. Yeah, oh, she's going to be in season two. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. She, I think she's I really playing... like that actor since I saw her in Justified. Yeah, she's, she's playing Ab Abby in season two, is what it says. Which I think is the main character in the series. Um, yeah, will be for season two. Uh, Ellie uh, is the other character. Yeah. So my number two film of the year for speculative fiction. Uh, is Barrett's number three film, which is Nefarious. Uh, this film was a film I, I didn't see right away, and I, we decided to take a look at it 
on the podcast because uh, co-host Eric took a look at it and said it was a fantastic film and one of his favorite films. So uh, I watched it, and yeah, this this film is absolutely remarkable. The acting is fabulous. It's pretty intense. There's some scenes that are scary just based off of dialogue. As Barrett mentioned, it's basically two folks looking at each other in a, in a prison interrogation-type room. And uh, high recommend by me, uh, easily one of the best genre films of the year. My number two is going to be When Evil Lurks. If uh, the, my number one movie had not come out, it would have been my number one movie. And it's just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a very gore-filled kind of supernatural story. And uh, it's quite, there are some very surprising scenes in it. My number two film is the last film on this list that played at Sundance in 2023. I told you I had three films that played at Sundance. And the third one is Talk to Me. Directors Michael and Danny Phillip, who did a very good job in the way they directed the action in this film, as it was intense, whether it was the action sequences or the dialogue scenes, Everything did a good job keeping my attention throughout. Both of the directors, I think, also did a good job directing its cast, as the performances are very good in this film, as they have some really strong female performances from Sophia Wilde, Miranda Otto, and Alexander Jensen. The film also has some very uneasy and gory moments, as it was horrifying. I also like the fact that the screenplay does a good job with the way it handles its characters. It spends time in the beginning, focusing on them, not rushing things. And I also love the ending, which I don't know if they're going to pick up in the sequel, but it was another one of those great twist endings of this year. And that's why Talk to Me is number two. That was, that was your Barrett, your number ten, right? Oh, yeah, it was my number ten. Yes. Uh, my number one film is Godzilla Minus One. It's the best Godzilla movie ever, I believe. And for me, it is the number one movie of the year because it has really good stories about the char- main characters in it as well as being a good monster movie. And that's really hard to find a lot of times. It has all those elements, and it encapsulates them together and makes it work. Uh, For me, uh, my number one genre film, speculative fiction film of the year, is Paul Schrader's Master Gardener. Uh, It's basically about this guy uh, that's a gardener for a giant uh, flower uh, estate of a wealthy woman. Uh, so it's not vegetables or anything. It's it's flowers, and and so they they have uh, tours, and people can go there and visit and whatnot. And he's the head gardener, and he may have a past that may follow him to the present, as does the woman who is the wealthy woman that hires him. She may have a past also that may come to follow her to the present as well. Uh, the film, uh, once again, is directed and written by Paul Schrader, the guy behind the screenplays of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, and the director and screenwriter of such films as Blue Collar and Hardcore, uh, also my, my favorite movie uh, screenwriter of all time. It stars Joel Edgerton uh, and Sigourney Weaver as uh, the two folks that have of their past that come back to haunt them in a, in a sense. It's very dark, as many Paul Schrader films are, but it uh, actually tricks us at the end and, and gives us a fairly uh, happy ending, which uh, worked very well, especially not expecting it from a Paul Schrader film. Uh, so, and that is my number one. Now, I told you I would get to this film eventually, and that is Evil Dead Rise. as my number one film of the year came out in, I believe, what, April? Just yeah, amazing. Like that. Amazing yep. how that just stood there pretty much for like eight months. Literally. Same with me. Same with yep. me, as I told Same. you. Yep. This is the film that pushed Salem's lot into release date purgatory because we have not heard from that film in a release date since it got bumped off the schedule for this film. This was originally supposed to be an HBO Max film until they tested this film and they found out that 
it actually had great test screening numbers, so they put it out in theaters, which is usually a good idea if it has great test screening numbers. Better to put it in theaters than to put it on a streaming service. And it was a great idea to put it in theaters because it was meant to be seen in theaters. I was surprised that this was such a great film. Seriously. Given the fact that we haven't had an Evil Dead film in, like, what, almost ten years? That's about right. And the fact that it takes place different compared to all the other Evil Dead films where it took place in a cabin. This takes place in an apartment complex. A run-down apartment complex, at best. Yeah. Well, writer-director Lee Cronin does a very good job coming up with an original take on the franchise. This film has a great opening scene in the woods that sets this tone for the film. Because it really does set the tone. He does a great job making sure the film felt different from past Evil Dead films. Whether it's the story, the location, the grungy look that this film had. Whether it's the apartment complex to the costumes. Everything had a grungy look. It felt different from all the other Evil Dead films. His screenplay was also great. He does a great job focusing on the relationship within the family, especially between the estranged sisters. It has great performances from Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan, as both of those actresses were very good in this film. And they really carried this film as... You couldn't ask for two better actresses to carry a film like those two. Because Alyssa really did a great job, especially when she becomes the villain of the film. She's like one of the most frightening deadites in the entire series. And Lily Sullivan's pretty much, I think, one of the most badass characters in the series as well. Everything felt different, and that's what I loved about Evil Dead Rise. It has excellent gore effects, intense action, especially that last third of the film, where it gets really extremely gory, and I love the way this film ended, as it, spoiler alert, comes full circle. I did not expect that ending, but that was perfect for this film, and that's why Evil Dead Rise really stood there at number one from April on, which is a very long time. And you had a lot of really good films this year in my top five that could have been number one. But Evil Dead Rise, literally, me as a horror fan, thought was just perfection. I really hope that Lee Cronin gets more work in the horror genre, because I really think he's a very talented director. And that's why Evil Dead Rise is my number one film of 2023. Yeah, his uh, films uh, that he did back, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, the same guy that, that uh, uh, he's from Ireland, and he did a film a couple of years ago from uh, back then uh, that takes place in Ireland, and it was a pretty good film. And we did an episode on it, and I'm trying to get the name of it. The Hole in the Ground? That's it. Yeah, that's a really good film. People should check that film out. And I think that's why he got this film. Even though it took four years to do it because The Hole in the Ground came out in 2019, that was a really good film. And I think they may have ha- had their eye on him for a bit, and, and they must have finally somehow got him on board to, to start. You know, doing this film here, so yeah, I, I agree. He, he he has some talent, and uh, hopefully he'll uh, reappear in other films as well. I didn't know what to expect with this film with him directing, because I know he did that film, which seemed like folk horror to me, and I'm usually not a fan of folk horror, so I really was a little skeptical going into this film. But clearly, they made the right choice in entrusting him with the Evil Dead franchise. I just hope it's not another ten years before an Evil Dead film. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I don't uh, think it will uh, be because uh, this one was so successful, but... Right, and, and hopefully it, the other one, meaning the next one, won't be like the one from ten years ago, and it'll be more like the one from last year. Yeah, I would hope. you got to try different things, and that's why I think what makes Evil Dead Rise successful. It 
different from every other film in the franchise. It's different from Ash versus Evil Dead. Yep. It just and, was different. And and they were willing to go there, meaning spoiler alert, uh anybody could have died in this film. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, this could have been then that's what you want in a horror film. Unpredictability. Absolutely. Yeah, and no plot, plot armor. armor. No yeah. plot armor. You don't want that <laughs> at all. Okay, now before I let you guys go, I always ask this question after the list now. What films are you looking forward to in 2024? Start with Philip. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Even though it's it's not going to be with uh, the same uh, stars and uh, director, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to A Quiet Place Day One. Uh, that looks I don't know if it looks good, but it's it's in the same universe, and the first two films in that franchise were our number one film of the year both years that we do our top ten list for the Doc Discussions podcast list. So folks can, you know, you know obviously uh, we, we like the, those films. So I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Now, I know Night Swim just came out and it's been getting ripped big time, but uh, one of our Sometimes co-host uh, Chrissy just saw it today, and she said it was pretty good and that I would like it. So I, I, I'm going to consider check, check that one out, but I'm, I'm obviously going to have uh, not much, uh, I guess. Let's just say that I'll, I'll expect the worst, but hope, hope it's as good as Chrissy liked it. I am also looking forward to if it comes out this year. Yeah, we, a lot of these films can get pushed back. You never know. Uh, but Terrifier 3. Is supposed to come out this year, so I'm yep. looking forward to that one. Yeah, and I think the maybe the last film I'm looking forward to. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's more, but I guess uh, the Watchers, maybe the the one that it, even though it could be hit or miss because it is an M Night Shyamalan uh, type film, uh, the Watchers is uh, a film of uh, interest for me, and so I'll, I'll take a look at that uh, if it does get released this year. So for me, my number one would be Terrifier 3. After that, yeah, Quiet Place Day 1, uh, The Strangers Chapter 1, Alien Romulus, because I am a huge Alien fan. There is a, a remake of Speak No Evil coming out. Now, I'd be very dubious about this because I thought there were issues with the Danish version of this film that we watched on Dark Discussions. But it is going to have James McAvoy, and I love James McAvoy. So I'm kind of... Looking forward to that remake to see how it is, and maybe it'll be even better than what we watched. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know Barrett, you didn't like it as much as me. I actually had Speak No Evil as the best film, horror film of the year in 2022. So for you, you're hoping it could be better, and for me, I'm hoping that it can live up to right. Danish yeah, it, it doesn't film. ruin what you remember of the Danish film. Yeah, and then I have just yeah, two that yeah. kind of. Two films that are kind of off, off there. Um, one is Beetlejuice 2, just because, you know, I grew up on Beetlejuice, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then Nosferatu um, looks like it could be really interesting. Um, also, uh, uh, Alien Romulus does look interesting to me, too, but how originally it was supposed to be a TV series, and then it wasn't, and then now it's a film. And then well, there the is director. still a t no, there's still a TV series coming out, too. That's the Romulus one is the movie, and then there is a TV series. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's all right. That's fair. That's fair. But originally, I heard, I thought the rumor was that this was supposed to be the the TV series. But either way, um, as we were discussing earlier, Fede Alvarez, the, the director of the Evil Dead from ten years ago, that kind of he's a hit yeah. and miss guy, you know, yep. because his follow up, Don't Breathe, was pretty solid, but. Evil Dead, I, I didn't like at all. So I'm hoping that, you know, it, it, it's more like Don't Breathe Good than Evil Dead, quote-unquote, good, because I know a lot of horror fans like that, but I, I, I hated that film. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but one other thing, Anthony, before about this film here, is that Alvarez, when he does his own stuff, meaning uh, Don't Breathe was not... Uh, intellectual property like the Evil Dead, he, he really hit it out of the ballpark. So I'm worried that since Alien is uh -oh. intellectual yeah. property and not his own, it could be 
another mediocre uh, film in the franchise, but but we'll see. We'll see. Nope. Anyway, yeah. I'm I'm in the realm of, you know, waiting to be disappointed and hopeful to not. Yeah, 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 <laughs> that, that, that's fair, that's fair. Okay, films I'm looking forward to. I'm surprised no one's mentioned this. Lay Winnell's follow-up from The Invisible Man. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about man. that one. Werewolf, yeah, the Wolfman. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, that is. I am highly anticipating that. But uh, again, I'm worried. He did an awesome job on Invisible Man, and I think he just got this because he did such a good job on that. And they need to kind of get their monster universe working. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, he's hit, he's hit it out of the ballpark, uh, directing two films back to back now. Uh, yeah, because Upgrade and. and Invisible Man, and then of course his screenwriting is, is just phenomenal. So I'm thinking, and, and if they let him do what he wants to do, like they did with the Invisible Man, then I think this could be a, a, a great film. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Another film I'm looking forward to is Maxine. The final. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. Yeah. The final Dan, film in the X trilogy. Dan Lynch has a role in that. By the way, he's an actor yes. that uh, yep. guest hosted our. Our podcast a number of times, uh, and he has a, a pretty big role in it as a uh, a reporter or something of that nature. But he uh, won't say too much about it. Won't say yeah, he couldn't talk about it. About it. <laughs> but, but he did announce that 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 he uh, is in the film. Yeah. So. Of course, Beetlejuice too, because obviously Michael Keaton being Beetlejuice. Of yeah. course, I'm going to check that out. Plus, you have Jenna Ortega. Renona Ryder in this film. That's pretty much enough. Ooh, oh, to Monica, Monica Bellucci's in it. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. What's What's not to love about that film, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think at, it's at, least hit. The, at least the original film. So fingers crossed, right? Let's yeah. Yeah. I believe it's directed by Tim Burton, so it'll probably be good. That yeah, that's a good sign. That's a good sign because he, I mean, he did the original, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Terrify three, obviously. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm very interested to see where they go with this Christmas-themed film, as it's going to be different, which is good. It's not going to take place on Halloween again. You can do Halloween so many times until yeah. it gets burned to the ground. you got to try to be inventive, you know what I mean? Yep. And, I of course, Nostradamus. Robert Eggert's new film, and also the new Ghostbusters film. That actually looks pretty good. I, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Which I'm actually looking forward to after it, a resurgence with Afterlife, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. That looks like it's probably going to be a good film. Fingers crossed. And that's pretty much what I'm looking forward to. All right, what about Star 11? I heard there could be it could be released this year, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'll probably see if it's the release this year. I'll see it. It's good. I think right. it is released this year. There is a date. Right, and then Smile Two. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Uh, what's that going to be about? I'm just really curious about that. Well, you know, they can probably keep on going, right? Because it's yeah, a monster, right? Yeah. yeah, and that person at the end got it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. that's yeah, right. that's right. I thought Smile was overhyped. I agree. Uh, oh, um, really? Oh, I love that film. But it was, it was overhyped. It was quite well, rough. Smile? I don't know. <laughs> Smile was pretty, pretty scary film. That was a pretty damn good film. It just got repetitive after a while. Well, that's fair. Everybody, you know, uh, different things for different people. Yep. So I'm really not looking forward to that as much. But who knows? It could sure. be a better film than Smile 1. Right, right. Well, and, you know, for me, Smile 1 was great. So, hopefully it's, it was, it's a great I thought film it was, for you, the second one. I thought it was okay. It was good. But it was not something I would would have put as a five-star film. It just felt repetitive at times. And I was bored at times, too. So, literally, I cannot see why that film's so overhyped. It's better as a short film. I will kindly disagree, but again, you know, uh, different things for everybody. All right. This wraps up our best of 2023 podcast. Philip and Barrett, I want to thank you for coming on to my podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. And have a good day. You too. All right. Have a good night, my friend.
welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the films, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. If you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. <laughs> www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. You can follow Anti-T's Horror and Wrestling Show on these social media providers. At Anti-T's Horror and Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher app. You can find Anti-T's Horror and Wrestling Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. You can also listen to the podcast at youtube.com slash at filmrkmedia and docdiscussions.com. What's Anti-T watching this episode? Well, it's time to look forward to 2024, everyone. That's right, it's time to start reviewing 2024 films. And the first film that will go wire to wire with every other film in 2024 is one of Shudder's latest films, Destroy All Neighbors. Now, when I first heard about this, this is the film that looked like it was right up my alley. It had Jonah Ray Rodriguez from Mystery Science Theater 3000 starring in this film. So that was definitely a plus going into this film. Plus the fact that it was being produced by Alex Winter, who's known mostly for his acting in the Bill and Ted films and the Lost Boys. So I was very interested in this film going into this. And I really have to say I was hugely disappointed with this film. Seriously, because for a film titled Destroy All Neighbors, it really didn't feel like the title of the film. Seriously. It just didn't. I'm sorry. I don't want to get too spoilery, but when you say a title like Destroy All Neighbors... I expect something to be highly absurd, highly gory, highly action-packed. Not this comedy that I saw, literally. Because this film literally felt more like a comedy than a horror film. And it is because of the screenplay. I will get to the logistics of that in a bit. But first, I really thought the direction of this film really... At times felt flat. I felt Josh Forbes' direction here was one note at best. He really doesn't do a good job in the way he directs the action because everything just moves at a fast pace. When everything moves at a fast pace, it just does not work well. Seriously. And it really did not work well here because... It felt like this film was going 90 miles per hour. Slow down. I want character development. Just a little bit of it, please. Instead, it just rushes through a lot of things. The action just feels rushed. And it's like, at times, you really got too chaotic. To the point where it really hampered the story of the film. The other thing that I really did not like about it was the fact that the way Forbes approaches the kill scenes in this film as it really felt 
cartoonish and not intense or gory or the type of feel you want in a horror film. This film really felt like a cartoon at times. Part of it was the direction, part of it was the screenplay. The acting also felt a little cartoonish too, but what do you expect when the screenplay and the direction felt cartoonish? It's just one demented cartoon. That's what this movie really felt like to me. And that's not how you make a horror comedy. If your horror comedy feels like a cartoon, it's usually not a good sign. Because you're not scared at anything. There was no point in that film where I felt scared or there were any intense moments in that film. I'm sorry, the best horror comedies usually have intense moments, funny moments, and it balances the two out. This did not have it here. Seriously. And speaking of that screenplay, that was bad. Literally. The screenplay written by Charles A. Piper, Mike Benner, and Jared Logan really did this film no favors at all. As this screenplay was just not good. It really does not help when your lead character is way too neurotic here. I get it. I like the typical Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage performance. But that's a performance. I don't need a main character being too, too neurotic to the point that it doesn't allow the character to grow. And it really dampered the main character in this film to the point where I was, like, turned off. Seriously. If I did not have to review this film for this podcast, I'd probably turn this film off. That's how bad it was. This felt too weird for me, literally, with all the bizarre elements. And I've seen some really bizarre films. But some of those films, like, say, Cemetery Man, Evil Dead 2, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, does a great job balancing the humor, the bizarre elements, and the horror elements. And they provide scares. This had none of that. Instead, it's just failed. As there's way too much a comedy. And it even doesn't do a good job at being that. A comedy. There were other things that I did not like in this film. The whole thing with this YouTube-like video telling the main character that he has to do things got quite annoying so quickly. It's just like... Everything was so bizarre that it took me out of this film. The kill scenes in this film were very dull and uninspiring. The whole thing about the main character wanting to make his album, and that is the film's central point besides the killings, is so dumb. If you want to do something absurd and make it horrifying and funny, at the same time, watch films like Dead Alive, Evil Dead 2, and Cemetery Man, which recently got re-released by Severin Films. Again, I'll recite these films because those films do a great job with handling the bizarre elements, handling the humor, and handling the horrifying action. Unlike Destroy All Neighbors, which does not do at all. Literally. For a film that is called Destroy All Neighbors, it really felt like it was mistitled, quite frankly. Because literally, you don't get many kill scenes in this film. And even at the ones at the complex, it's so little. How can you title a film Destroy All Neighbors? I'm sorry, this film really was bad. Avoid at all costs. One star. Next episode, I'm working on something 
to get a guest on this episode, so I'm going back to interviewing people on this podcast, finally. I know it's been a while with the whole SAG strike and everything. I kind of tried to stay away from the interviewing pot of the podcast, so you will get, hopefully, an interview next episode. As we go back to the regular two to three week format in which episodes drop. I hope you enjoyed the best of 2023 episodes. It's usually the most difficult episodes I produce every year. But I enjoy doing it. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Facebook at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. On Instagram and Slasher at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like this podcast. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and other podcast providers. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.